Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I can't believe it. Week 13 it has already passed us. We're going to week 14. We're officially in the month of December, last month of 2019, segueing into playoffs. Playoffs. And the NFC West is lit as always. First place right now, you have the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, guys, they're 10-2. and two. They just had a very nice, sweet victory at home. Monday Night Football against the Vikings, in which um, it went a little topsy-turvy in that first half, but they got things back on track. They ended up winning that game 37-30 over the Vikings. And because of that and because of the matchup earlier in the season with that Monday Night Football win over the Niners, they have... The NFC West, as of today, they have a 10 and 2 record. They are first place, and they could vie for a top seed in the NFC Conference. They could actually clinch a playoff berth this week against the Rams on Monday Night Football. Nine of their games have been decided by seven points or less, and they have been eight and one in those games. So yeah, man. All in all, resilience has been the phrase, the key word. For those Seahawks, and they are ten and two. They are first place right now. Conversely, Niners they started the season eight and zero, but they are now ten and two. And you know, not to put them down too much, but they had a really tight game. They played at Baltimore. They lost seventeen to twenty in a really tightly contested matchup. It was a good game. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens now have won eight straight. The Niners have, quote-unquote, fallen to a 10-2 record. And because of that tiebreaker, that matchup earlier on with the Seahawks, they fall to second place in the NFC West. And so as of right now, I mean, as of right now, if the season were to end today, they would have the number five seed in the NFC Conference. They would be a wildcard team. And interestingly enough, they would probably play on the road against the Cowboys since the Cowboys are slated to win the NFC East. Kind of kind of weird, but let's just see how this really turns out as we go into the last quarter of the season, guys. Uh, so both teams, Seahawks, Niners, 10-2. Third place, you have the Rams. They're 7-5. And, and they are coming off a divisional win, um, a really nice one where they went to the Cardinals and they they kicked butt. They won 34 to 7. They were up 20 to 0 halftime. And this was a game that they really needed because Jared Goff, I believe, like the last couple of games, I believe the last two, maybe three games, he had um, five interceptions. He wasn't playing his best form of football. But this game, and, you know, I get it. The Cardinals are probably the worst pass defense in the NFL. They are the worst defense in total yards allowed but Jared Goff this is the game that he needed to get things back on track he had 424 yards passing two touchdowns his receiver Robert Woods had 13 catches for 172 I mean that was some really good fantasy football numbers right there and you're getting a little bit more at Todd Gurley now I believe he had 19 carries um, the previous week against the Bears he had oh not against the Bears it's the Ravens he, I think he had 25 carries but as you can tell They've been giving more 
on the load for him uh, for the last stretch of the season. And they need to win outright. They need to stay A1 for themselves if they would have any hopes of taking a wild card seat as well. So they're 7-5. And five. and then last but not least, those Cardinals I mentioned before, they, they lost 34-7. Pretty rough at home. You know, and I'd like to say that, you know, for a rebuilding team, and I've said this time and time again, it's okay per se. Uh, it seems like Kyler Murray is coming on to his own. It seems like, you know, he's 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 the guy. He's the franchise quarterback. And that's something that they gotta tip their hats to. But I mean, losing thirty-four to seven is especially at home, it's pretty bad, man. Um there's no other silver lining behind that they've lost five straight they've dropped five games in a row after winning three straight so three eight and one for this cardinals team and that's the nfc west right now as we go into week 14 uh, i wanted to take a moment to talk about those week 13 games but i know that we're really late into the, the week as we go into nfl sunday so i just want to talk about what we have at hand for well fucking nfl week 14 we out here let's just let's just do it okay Okay. So, let's do it. Warning game. Another primetime game. Another primetime game in the morning for 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But those Niners, they have back-to-back East Coast games. The team as a whole, they've decided to stay in the East Coast the last couple weeks in preparation for those games. You had the Ravens earlier last week. And now you have the New Orleans Saints. These are primetime games where... You know, push comes to shove. You might see the Ravens in the Super Bowl. You might see the Saints in the NFC playoffs. It's a good matchup. Another good matchup at the Dome, at the Big Easy. And for this Niners team, I mean, it was it was a really hard-fought game at Baltimore, losing 17-20. to uh, But they had their hands full, again, at New Orleans, where that Coliseum, that Dome, is especially tough in regards to the noise that they produce by their fans. Uh, shout out to the Niner Empire, though, because from what I've, or, or the Niner Faithful, uh, from what I've seen uh, via Twitter, you are getting a lot, a lot of Niner fans at that game, too. So I hope to see a sea of red at that game. I'll be really intrigued to see how things go um, come kickoff time. But 10 a.m., you have another primetime matchup for those Niners in which the Niners are 10 and 2, the Saints are 10 and 2. Earlier last week in the NFC South, the Saints clinch the division so they're already going to the playoffs already so it's Gucci for them I won't say they don't necessarily need the win but just like anything I mean keep going if the Saints beat the Niners they're going to be that much closer to getting a number one seed in the NFC conference so let's just see um, because this is a really good test for both teams and when you look at this Niners team they just played a, a really tough team in the Ravens and I'm sure that it's going to be one of those games where they want to get back and play winning football against the Saints. And, you know, as, as I look at this game offensively for the Niners, a couple of things that I would do in terms of attacking that New Orleans Saints defense, because this Saints, this front seven, it's been good. It's been good all year. Uh, they have plenty of pass rush. I mean, for Christ's sake, they had nine sacks Thanksgiving, Thursday night in which they sacked Matt Ryan nine times. Cameron Jordan from Cal Berkeley, he had four sacks. Currently right now, he's leading the league in sacks. And so 
yeah, they can get to the quarterback. They can get to Jimmy G. But a couple of reinforcing things are coming back for the Niners. They're starting to finally get healthy. The last time I checked the injury report, you're seeing Joe Staley. He's healthy. He's slated to play. Matt Breida, running back. He's slated to play. D Ford, pass rusher. He's slated to play. Um, so you're slowly getting that back, which is reassuring. And that's going to be really good um, because right now the Saints, they aren't doing so hot on their side of the football. They have a couple injuries where I think, if, you know, push comes to shove, the Knights can really take advantage of this, especially on the road. They need every single edge against the Saints. So Kiko Alonso, A.J. Klein, they are the starting linebackers for the Saints, and they are out. Um, Taron Armstead tackle uh for the saints he's questionable andrews pete guard i don't think he's going to play either so you have a little bit of shuffling along the trenches in that front seven and if i'm the niners you know what that means that means the run game should be good the linebackers should be tested you should see plenty of uh opportunities for matt breeder raheem mostert tevin coleman uh to get at the edges test those linebackers off screens that should be really fun and then conversely, with those linebackers out, that means the middle of the field. I know they still have Von Bell. I know they have Marcus Williams as their safeties. But linebacker-wise, right down the seam, who does very well over there? Oh, wait. George Kittle. George Kittle is going to be huge for the Niners. Um, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Mad Brita. You get what I'm saying, though. These linebackers, whoever they, they put in, uh, to replace their starters, they should be tested in that same span when, you know, earlier in the season when the Niners lost Quan Alexander. Uh, yeah, that's what the Seahawks did to challenge that because, yeah, when you have replacements, you want to see kind of where they are in, in coverage. Um, so I would do just that. I think that George Kittle, last game, he had to do, um, well, you know, rain, rain and all that, but he was rather quiet. I think he had... 30-something passing, or not passing yards, he had 30-something receiving yards um, against the Ravens. But I think this game, especially indoors, uh, it's one of those games where he should be primed and ready. And um, he's a couple weeks removed from his knee injury, so he should be near 100%. And I think that this should be a key, key matchup. Uh, Whether it's going to be against the linebackers, whether it's going to be against Von Bell, their safety, but that's the matchup that I'm looking at for the Niners. Uh, conversely, okay, so you talked about the running game. You talked about George Kittle. Let's talk about the defense. Okay, so now you have Drew Brees, and Drew Brees at home is especially tough. I mean, you know, Michael Thomas, he's got seven 100-yard receiving games. He's on pace to, to really break some records for the amount of catches he's had this season. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, just this Niners pass defense, they are number one in the league. They, I think they allow something pretty ridiculous. They only allow like 130 yards passing, um, 20 yards better than the Patriots. And I get, don't quote me on these numbers, but they are the top pass defense right now. Richard Sherman last week, he was a little bit gimpy um, off a knee injury. But from what I understand, he's good enough. He's laid to play. You still have a Keller Witherspoon. You still have Emmanuel uh, Mosley and Jimmy Ward. Kind of weird. He's playing A1 football right now, per pro football focus. He is third ranked for all safeties. Um, so he's right there. Uh, the one silver lining, though, is Jaquiski Tart. 
Uh, he is hurt. Uh, he has a rib injury, and so you're going to see Marcel Harris in the mix. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The secondary is really good. Michael Thomas should be a point of emphasis to, to contain. Um, but I'm just really intrigued more so about what the Saints are going to do at the quarterback position. And what do I mean by that? Um, this is something where even Kyle Shanahan kind of alluded to this too, where they don't know really what the Saints are going to do in regards to how they're going to attack the Niners defense. Because they saw last week Lamar Jackson with Baltimore, obviously... Lamar Jackson is a mobile quarterback, a dual threat, RPOs, whatnot, where it really challenges the defense. And, you know, it took the Niners a bit uh, to adjust to Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson still rushed for like uh, over 100 yards, right? So, I mean, having that threat kind of takes away that front four pass rush with Bosa, Armstead, Buckner, and the gang. Um, If you have a mobile quarterback like that, and you saw that earlier with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, So, they have a gadget guy, Taysom Hill. I'm sure you guys know about him. He does a little bit of everything for the Saints, whether you put him at running back, wide receiver, quarterback, special teams, whatever. But in this instance, let's just say that you choose to use Taysom Hill at the quarterback position and, you know, have a couple packages his way to to challenge the Snyder's defense, right? Could be good. Um, I'm sure that they took a page out of what the Ravens did against the Niners defense. But if you do that, that means you put Drew Brees on the bench on the sidelines, right? And so my question to the Saints offense is, you know, if you're making the play calls, I mean, how much are you really going to be utilizing Taysom Hill? I know he's going to be on the game plan because he's a versatile player and he offers a couple of different looks uh, against the Snyder's defense, but how much of him are we going to see on Sunday? Every time you take Taysom Hill on the field, you put Drew Brees off. It does have a bit of a wiggle to the, um, you know, to the general flow of the offense, and so I don't know how many snaps are you going to see Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. Lastly, for this defense, um, obviously Michael Thomas is a baller. I'll be intrigued to see how they do, you know, with number one pass defense. But, you know, for these linebackers, you know, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, they've been playing at a pretty high level the last couple weeks. But, you know, Alvin Kamara, I don't know if y'all know about this, but he's a very good player. Okay, right now he only has two touchdowns for the season, one rushing, one receiving. Which is pretty crazy because, like, we're going to week 14. He only has two total touchdowns for the season. So, sorry, fantasy football owners, he's been... Honestly, he's been a bust, but you didn't expect two touchdowns like this late in the season. Doesn't mean he's bad. It means maybe he's due because obviously if I'm the Saints, you're going to have some Taysom Hill. You're going to have some Michael Thomas, but I'm going to test these linebackers in the Niners, right? You're going to do a lot of stuff, some quicker stuff to get away from their pass rush, right? Similar to what the Seahawks did, what the Cardinals did, I mean, quicker stuff, screen passes, um, some tosses, some stuff on the outside where you really challenge these linebackers um, to go sideline to sideline and make a play. You saw Drake do that with the Cardinals. He did that very well, um, a little bit more so than I expected, but 
it's that same premise. You know, if you can get these guys on the outside and really make them turn the corner and challenge the linebacker sideline to sideline, that would be something that uh, I would probably do if I'm the Saints. So you got Michael Thomas, you got Taysom Hill, and you got Alvin Kamara. It's as simple as that. Both these teams do very well on their front seven, on their pass rush. Um, so it should be a tightly contested game. I think it's one of those games where it could go, you know, it, it could be a high scoring just depending on, on the rhythm. But I think that for the Saints, they know that if you keep Drew Brees sitting in the pocket, uh, the Snyder's front seven will get to him. They do very well against pocket quarterbacks. And so I expect them to do a couple of things uh, to keep it away, to keep it quick, uh, to run the football. Uh, so I think it could actually be a very low-scoring game. Maybe not as low-scoring as the Ravens game because that was, um, you know, that was in the rain. That was a tougher, colder game. But in the Dome, it might be. I mean, because here's the thing. The Niners, too, don't want this to be a shootout. I mean, shoot, you're in the Big Easy. You can hardly hear yourself in that Dome. They don't want Jimmy G in these situations just as much as they don't want, you know, the Saints don't want Drew Brees in these situations in obvious passing downs where you're, you're behind or you got to go back and forth and make a play in the stone. It's really tough. They have a good front seven as well. And so I think both teams honestly are going to try to run the football and eat up the clock and have it their way, their style on, on the time of possession. So. I've seen it go back and forth in, you know, game time predictions, 20, 20 this, 20 that. And I'm kind of along those lines, too. I think that the Niners, hopefully it won't come to being close for a field goal like we've seen against the Seahawks and the Ravens. But I'm expecting a pretty close game. I think that based off the stuff that I said earlier with, you know, Alonzo and Klein being out, this might be the George Kittle game. This might be a signature George Kittle game, and it's good for fantasy football owners because for those that have had him, he's been quiet the last couple of weeks. But come fantasy football playoff time, this is, might be the performance that you're going to enjoy. I think that George Kittle has a good game. I think that the running backs will do what they do um, to manage the clock. And I think that the Niners' defense can, um, well, there's Taysom Hill and Kamara, but I think, you know, for the most part, they're going to lose some points, but they're going to do a decent job. They're going to do a decent job on the road. They're going to come away with the win. So go ahead and give me Niners for the win, 27-23. to 23. Okay, next up, 1 o'clock game. Maybe not the most, well, maybe for me, maybe not the most thrilling game in comparison to the Niners game or the Rams-Seahawks game, but the Cardinals, they're hosting another home game, and they're hosting a, uh, a game in which this team... It's an interesting team because I think they've won their last, what, five out of six. They're second place in the AFC North. They're vying for a playoff spot in which this team should have no business fighting for a playoff spot. But here they are. They have a really tight-knit group in which uh, defense is stellar. They have their third-string quarterback. But you know what? They're right there. I'm talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are 7-5. and five. They have a guy, a.k.a. Duck. Hodges, Gerald Duck Hodges, I kid you not, from Samson. He was a, um, yeah, he was a, I, th- I think he was a rookie free agent or whatever, but uh, he's got them playing at a very high level. 
um, because this defense has been stellar the last couple games. They beat the Browns last week, and they are they are right in the hunt for a playoff spot in the AFC. So conversely, I mean, you know, these Cardinals, they've dropped five straights. They're coming off a very sour, sour loss against the Rams, where they were just they just weren't competitive that entire time. And I'm sure, you know, this Cardinals team, they're rebuilding, but they got to have some pride. Uh, and this might be a good opportunity to end that five-game losing streak for them, just because as much as the Steelers could be in contention and they really want this win against the Cardinals, uh, their style of offense plays plays pretty well because, you know, here, here's the thing about the Cardinals. The pass defense is horrible, but the Steelers' passing offense, I mean, with Duck Hodges, it's, he had like 200 yards and a, and a touchdown last game, but they're not world beaters in the air. Um, one thing that is concerning, though, you have Patrick Peterson, which is great, but they also cut Tremaine Brock, and so you have a really green secondary. Safety-wise, you have Jalen Thompson, you have Deontay Thompson, you have Byron Murphy at, at, at the nickel, but uh, yeah, they're going to use like uh, Kevin Peterson, Chris Jones, I mean, you, you got some young, younger cats. Uh, so there should be some opportunity for the Steelers, but at the same time, too, their, their passing offense isn't, isn't the best. Uh, you're probably going to see a lot of Jalen Samuel. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that they're going to put him featured more often as a, as a pass-catching uh, running back. They also have uh, James Conner. He's out. Um, but Snell, I mean, he, he's been showing some promise. I think that their offense isn't the best, per se, but... Uh, Neither are the Cardinals' defense. They're, this defense hasn't been good this year. Yeah, this defense hasn't been good, but at least this, the Steelers' passing offense isn't that great either. I'm just saying. Conversely, I mean, um, obviously I, I say this every week, but you know, Chris Jones, Terrell Suggs, coming off the edge, they're right there. Uh, but I'll be intrigued because, I mean, this Steelers' offensive line is... is Historically, one of one of the better lines in the NFL, and they get Marquise Pouncey back off his two game suspension. He was coming off his two game suspension after that Mason Rudolph, Miles Garrett ordeal, two game suspension. He's back. From what I've heard, he's healthy and fresh, and he's ready to go. So that makes it another interesting wrinkle. Uh, and then obviously, you know, on the other side, when the Cardinals have the football on offense, I mean, the, you have to worry about T.J. Watts. He's been balling per usual. Yeah, Bud Dupree is having a, a career year during his contract year, by the way. But he has eight and a half sacks. He has four forced fumbles. And so, yeah, if I'm Kyler Murray, I'm, I'd be a big concern. Um, you know, just, yeah, that that's a pretty good front seven. Pretty good front seven. On the other side, though, so, I mean, you know, you're, you're a little bit worried about Murray against these guys off the edge. But I'll be intrigued to see what they do with their trio of running backs this time around because last week, obviously, 37-7, to losing to the Rams. They kind of got away from their game plan because you have David Johnson, you have Chase Edmonds, you have Kenyon Drake. Three really good running backs, three more than capable running backs that can catch the football, be contributors, and you know have a very similar type of skill set. But you hardly really saw them last week because of, well, because they were getting their asses kicked. You couldn't really run the football as much. So this time around, I think that the Steelers are one of those running teams that can't really put up that many points per se unless the defense is kind of 
boost them up. So if it's a closer game, uh, I would like to see a little bit more from those trio of running backs. More importantly, I mean, David Johnson has been hardly used this season. Uh, Chase Edmonds is coming off his hamstring injury. And then, yeah, you have Drake, who they just traded for from, from the Dolphins. So I would hope, I would hope against the Steelers team, the Steelers team that has a really gnarly pass rush in similar fashion to like, you know, like the Saints and the Niners game. But I would do all I can to get these running backs involved and get Murray get the fuck out the way from this pass rush. I'm just saying. So uh, when I look at this game, I mean, it is it's going to be a grittier game. I think that as much as the Steelers have been balling, they, I think they won their last five out of six. Uh, I'm pretty optimistic about this Cardinals team because I think that, especially at home and just in the, the particular matchups, I don't think that what the Cardinals are weak at can really be exploited as much with the Steelers' offense so I am in favor of an quote-unquote upset at home in which you have the Cardinals as home dogs by two and a half points over under 43. Uh, so give me the, the Cardinals. Give me 24. Yeah, yeah. Give me the Cardinals 24. Give me the Steelers 17. Something along those lines. Oh, I forgot to mention. So like the... Um, the Saints-Niners game, you have the Saints favored by two and a half over under 49. I predicted that 27 to 23 Niners. I'm predicting this one 24 to 17 Cardinals. Hmm. Okay. Last but not least, Monday Night Football. And this should be a very memorable Monday Night Football because obviously it's the matchup in the division in the NFC West with the Seahawks, who are first place at 10-2. and two. They are playing at L.A. against the Rams, who are 7-5. and five. A Rams team that were a field goal away in their first matchup when they played at Seattle, in which they had a very winnable opportunity, obviously, with Greg Zerline for the win, but he shanked the kick. The Seahawks won in overtime, and that's all she wrote. But historically speaking, the Rams and the Seahawks, the Rams usually play the Seahawks very well. Jerry Goff, uh, from what I understand, in his matchups, he averages about 300, 320 yards passing against the Seahawks. And so he does well. He does well against them historically. And they're hosting at L.A. But what makes this game really interesting is this is the last home game at the L.A. Coliseum. AK USC, whatever. Pete Carroll, uh, with his ties with USC, this will be his last time playing there, coaching there, because the following year, the Rams are going to move into their new stadium in Inglewood. That makes things very intriguing. Uh, I hope that we get it in dramatic fashion, uh, because, yeah, it, this sort of same deserves that sort of, sort of game. Seahawks are 10-2. They're fighting with the Niners for the division, and what I understand, if they beat the Rams in the division, they would essentially clinch a playoff spot. So, yeah, this is this has got uh, it's got a couple things, and conversely, the Rams, you know, they got to pretty much win outright if to have any sort of chance uh, to stay and get a playoff berth in in the wild card. It would be crazy if that were to actually happen, 
you know, I mean, check this out. If you get the Seahawks or the Niners, whoever takes, you know, first place in the division, and then the two NFC wildcard goes to two NFC West teams, that would be pretty crazy. But certainly could happen. Certainly could happen. And this is a game in which, like I mentioned before, Jerry Goff has played well against the Seahawks team. But the Seahawks team right now, they have won five straight games. They have won five straight games. And this is a team for their defense uh, where, you know, their pass rush hasn't been the best season-wide, if you look at the numbers and in regards to sacks. But, shoot, those last three, yeah, their last three games have been stellar. 11 turnovers the last three games. And, you know, this is... This is kind of what the Seahawks do. They get hot at the right time. You're seeing Russell Wilson play well um, to his strengths, and you're seeing the defense, you know, make timely plays, force fumbles, defensive touchdowns. I mean, yeah, you just see it time and time again. Nine of their games have been decided by seven points or less, and they are eight and one in those games. You could say it's lucky. You could say that it's a bunch of a bunch of shits, but. They are. I mean, they are attending to. They are attending to. Um, so when I look at this game, when the Seahawks have the football, Tyler Lequette, uh DK Metcalf, they're getting hot right now. And what makes this interesting for round two in this matchup is the first time around when they played, you had Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib as the Rams secondary, John Johnson the third as their safety. This time around, it's completely different secondary. You have Jalen Ramsey, who's a baller. First time playing the Seahawks. He hasn't played them since he was a Jaguar, and I think the Jaguars beat them like a couple years back, but he'll be suited up. He's going to go up against Tyler Lockett, probably. And so then you have Troy Hill, who's going to go up against Deacon Metcalf, which is a pretty good matchup for the Seahawks. Uh, and then conversely, instead of John Johnson the third, because he's on injured reserve, you're going to have a rookie, but a rookie with Seattle roots and Taylor Rapp. Go Taylor Rapp. He's from University of Washington, and it would be pretty cool for him to get the start and play against a team that I'm pretty sure he was a fan of growing up since he's from Washington. Yeah, from some, from Seattle, that would be pretty cool on his end. So I'll be intrigued to see what happens in that response because you have a new secondary for the Seahawks to the game plan around. Uh, on the other side, when they're running the football, I mean, lately they've been running the football really well. And it hasn't just been Chris Carson, too. It's been uh, their former first-round pick in Rashad Penny out of San Diego State. I think last game they combined for like 155 yards rushing or whatever. But overall, the last three games, they've been turning the ball um, in Seattle fashion. They've been running the ball the way that they'd like to. And, you know, it gets this Rams team. Um, this Rams team has been susceptible to that. Uh, I don't have the stats off the top, but I know that at least for the Seahawks, they have been winning the trenches. They've been running the football, and that could continue. That could continue for that, and I'm sure that's what they want to have happen anyways. Um, a lot of running and a lot of play action to Wilson to look at, or you can take a couple shots down to Metcalf. One of, the, one of those scenarios, but that's what I'm thinking when Seattle has the football. Uh on the other side, you know, from the Rams, when they're defending Seattle, pretty much the the same sort of uh, approach that they, they've been doing every time against Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, he is an elusive quarterback, obviously. You don't want to get him 
scrambling, rolling out the pocket because he's just as good, if not better, when he rolls out the pocket. And so when you look at defending Russell Wilson, it's going to be this interior pass rush to crash the line of scrimmage and make it hard for him to get out. Okay, so I'm talking about Aaron Donald. Crazy too, because like he is a defensive player of the year candidate every year, but he's been kind of like low-key in comparison to some of these other guys that you've been seeing, you know, like Cameron Jordan, um, Nick Bosa, uh, Shaquille Griffin. I mean, but lo and behold, dude, Aaron Donald, defensive tackle. He's got nine and a half sacks for the season right now. He's coming off a one and a half sack performance. Uh, he had two sacks against the Bears. He's been just as good. I don't know, but he doesn't get talked about as much because the Rams have been, well, they've been losing lately. But I don't know. Aaron Donald does pretty damn good against Wilson every time they play. Historically speaking, Aaron Donald does very well against Wilson. And I'm just saying, you know, this shouldn't matter as much, but I think it does. Aaron Donald knows this is going to be the last game at the Coliseum um, on Monday Night Football. So I would hope that he would be a little bit more engaged especially for for this sort of game so i'll just leave it at that um there's that dante fowler obviously it's going to be the same game plan for the rams defense i just think that the the one wrinkle that i'm going to be concerned about moving forward is this secondary because this is a newer secondary uh this time around in their second matchup against seattle now when the rams have the football i mean this is an interesting thing, too, because, I mean, this this Seahawks pass rush, it's, like I mentioned before, it's been kind of up and down between Ziggy Onsuch, Jadavion Clowney. Uh, I don't know. They, they make timely plays, though. They might not have the most sacks, but they're right there. Jerry Goff, he, he, honestly, he plays very well against the Seattle secondary. Um, you know, you have Shaquille Griffin. You have Trey Flowers. Uh, you really saw this secondary kind of emerge the last couple of weeks. You know, those 11 turnovers I mentioned the last three weeks, they've had four interceptions. And Quandry Diggs, who they traded for, you know, a couple, couple of weeks uh, earlier in the season. I mean, he pretty much replaced Trey Thompson, who went on IR. And instead of putting Marquise Blair there, they put him. And he's been good. He's been a good veteran presence to complement uh, the other safety spot with Bradley McDougald. So, I mean, they're not a stellar defense, but they are a timely defense. And if if I'm the Seahawks, I'm just hoping that I can generate that same amount of pressure uh, this time around in that same span where you saw them rush the passer to Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners on Monday Night Football. If they can get that sort of pass rush, it's it's done deal because Jerry Goff sucks when he gets that, that much pressure, um, you know, sitting sitting in the pocket. All right. Jerry Goff isn't that sort of quarterback. He's not mobile in, in that sense. And if they can get that sort of replication this time around for this Monday Night Football game, it, it's a done deal. But I, I think this time around for Jerry Goff, I think, you know, he he showed well, it was his best game of the season so far. But 424 yards and two touchdowns against the Cardinals. Take that with a grain of salt because the Cardinals' pass defense is I won't even say it's bad. It's it's the worst in the league. Um, but, you know, you're, you're seeing this team make strides. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, 
they're all back and healthy. Okay, so the Seattle secondary has to worry about that. And then this time around, too, I mentioned before, you're getting more and more talk early. I don't know what, what the hell was going on earlier in the season, but uh, Sean McVay was kind of holding him early in the season to kind of manage his, his snaps and, and his carries. But right now, they have no excuse. Uh, they are going to release the Kraken in Gurley. And I expect him to get at least 20 touches, 15 carries, 5 yards off the back. I don't know, maybe even more. But, you know, the Rams, you know, when they have the football, they win this football game if Todd Gurley gets 100-plus yards, if they get the time of possession, if they keep the ball away from Russell Wilson's hands. And more importantly, um, if they make sure that Jared Goff stays upright. Bobby Evans has done a decent job at right tackle. Uh, their interiors remains kind of a mess, but uh, at least they have Robert Havenson as left tackle. I mean, obviously it's nowhere near as they were in years past with this offensive line and this offense. But, you know, I think that they are getting better. They're getting there. All right. So let's bring this back home. So taking all things in consideration, this should be a really fun Monday Night Football game. If you're a Niners fan... You might be in this instance. You might be a Rams fan because they're neck and neck in the division at, at a ten and two record. And so, if the Rams can do this, you're actually doing a solid for the Niners Empire, the Niners Faithful. Do I think it's going to happen? Could happen. It's the last home game at LA Coliseum. The Rams typically play them tough. They should have beat them the first time around at Seattle. This time around, they could. Can Seattle keep it up? Seattle continues to grind and win these sort of close games. Hmm. Honestly, this, this is this is tough for me. This is tough. If this gives any sort of indication, the Seahawks open as favorites by, I think, like three points. Monday Night Football at LA, they were favored by three points, but that has changed to a pick em. So... The public is thinking that same thing. The Rams, last home game, over under 47. It is now a pick em. And I think I'm going to pick the Rams. Uh, I think that the Seahawks have done an excellent job grinding it out thus far. Don't get me wrong. But I think that the Rams, especially in the division, played them tough. Uh, especially Aaron Donald with that interior pass rush. And if Jared Goff, like I mentioned before, it's contingent on Jared Goff staying upright. But if they can do a decent job of keeping him like decent, and I don't want him to fumble because he, for whatever reason, every time he gets hit, and he like he, he fumbles the ball. But uh, keep him clean, give the ball to Gurley, and get Jared Goff in play action. If you get the Jared Goff in play action version of Jared Goff, then you're gonna go and do very well and come out with this win. So for this, go ahead and give me, um, give me, give me the Rams thirty-one, Seahawks twenty-eight. I think it's going to be one of those exciting sort of Monday Night Football finishes, and I hope it happens like like in dramatic fashion because the last time they played on Thursday Night Football, it was in dramatic fashion. So Rams thirty-one, Seahawks twenty-eight, and it makes the division that much more interesting because my my. Predictions with the Niners winning 27 to 23 over the Saints, the Cardinals winning 24 to 17 over the Steelers, and the Seahawks 
losing where the Rams win 31 to 28. That would put the division back in the Niners' hands for at least another week. Will that happen? Remains to be seen, but once again, thank you for checking out the Just the West podcast. Continue to follow me at Just the West via Twitter, Instagram. Continue to listen to me, Spotify, and iTunes. But always check the blog, even though the blog hasn't been as active lately. But it is www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.